Hey mamas, welcome back. So today we are going to actually hear our very first birth story. I've been so excited to finally get into births and start talking about this. And unfortunately, this one isn't going to be a super warm and fuzzy one. It has a beautiful outcome, of course. But you guys, Megan's story is very much about the birth trauma she experienced with her first daughter, Nora. And really what we want you to hear and understand from this episode is that knowledge is power. When I was going through pregnancy myself from the beginning all the way to the end, I found birth stories to be the most invaluable way to gather understanding and knowledge and expectations and connection to our bodies and emotions and just the scenarios, good and bad. It was just truly invaluable to me. And it helped me connect to the woman that I am and to women around me because birth is very much a part of who we are. I would like to reach out to you and ask if you are wanting or willing to share your own story. It doesn't have to be a birth story. It has, doesn't have to be a topic that we've covered yet. We want to cover it all. If there's something that in your journey to or in motherhood has been something you like to talk about with your friends or that you want other mothers or women to know, please reach out to me. There's actually a link in the show notes that you can click on and head to the application for a guest episode. So please go do that. I cannot wait to hear from you. As always, I'd like to read a review before we head into the episode. And this one is from Brooke Rogers. (laughs) She says, love it. Thankful for the rawness of these stories and the ability to see something dissected into the physical, mental, and emotional aspects. Mamahood is hard and beautiful. There's so much that deserves to be talked about and normalized. Thank you for starting this podcast. Thank you, Brooke. I love that. All right. So without further ado, let's hear from Megan. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf, <laughs> it's mama time. Uh, so I'm Megan Rothenberg. I have three children. Five and a half year old Nora, who is basically who this whole story is about. <laughs> uh, three and a half Joseph and uh, 21 months of miles. And then I'm pregnant with my fourth, um, 27 weeks. So it's kind of exciting. It's actually really fast how fast this pregnancy is going. So we will see how the outcome of this happens. <laughs> um, I'm married to a firefighter. We live in Palatine. Illinois. And uh, we were so excited to start a family. And the family that we have has just grown and grown and grown. And I never thought that I was going to have a huge family, but now I feel amazed to have what I have. And I'm so fortunate. And I think every day I'm thankful for what I have. So that's a little bit about me. I can kind of jump into, you know, I, I got married 
Um, then I was the lucky one that had a honeymoon pregnancy baby. <laughs> um, soon as we got married, I got pregnant. It was the fastest that could ever happened because some people actually questioned if I was pregnant at the wedding and I wasn't, it was honeymoon baby. Uh, so I was excited more than anyone could ever imagine. I wanted to be a mother and when I found out I was having a little girl, I was even more excited because I kept thinking about the bond that I had with my mother and how amazing it would be to have that with my own. So I did everything right with that pregnancy. I would sit, I would think about how wonderful it was going to be to have that child, hold that child, teach that child. I just was so inflamed in the pregnancy and what was going to happen when I had the baby. And I was just so excited. I had so much love to give to that child. I did a little research, not a lot. Uh, mostly my mom and my sister both had babies. My sister had five. My mom had four. They basically went into the hospital, had their babies naturally without any epidural or medication, had no complications. And they always told me that you just have to go in there with the mindset and you'll be fine. So I didn't really do much quote unquote research because they kept telling me your body just will do it. So I didn't have much of that. I didn't really do anything for the first pregnancy research wise. And I did do a birth plan. I did have a doula. I was excited for the doula, but unfortunately my water broke at 38 weeks um, at a birthday party on someone's carpet. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> it's like yeah. everybody's worst nightmare. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. It was horrible. And uh, I kept saying, and I was in denial because I'm like, she's 38 weeks. She's not coming. And everyone there was like, Megan, it's, it's happening. <laughs> this is so, fine. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up going to call my doctor who wasn't on call. And I didn't do much research in that area because. I chose to see the same doctor every single appointment and never met the other doctors. Um, I put all my faith and all my eggs in one basket that she was going to be on when I went into labor. And, you know, that's just how it was going to be. Um, so I called a doctor I'd never met before who insisted I came in immediately because I was in labor. And I tried to tell her, well, I'm not really actually in labor. I don't feel anything. I'm, I'm okay. And she said, oh, so you're going to be one of those patients. So that's where it started. And I thought, oh my goodness, I don't want to go into the hospital. So I went home, I took a shower, I took a few hours. I still had no contractions. There was nothing happening. My body was not having a baby at that moment. And my husband finally said, you know, let's just go. Let's let him see if for some reason you are having contractions. You don't feel he's a paramedic. So he thinks he knows a lot. Sure. <laughs> so we show up and he's got his hands full of all these bags and my, my, my boppy pillow and all this. I'm like, why are you bringing this stuff in? I'm not having a baby today. Like this, this isn't happening. I'm not in labor. And he's like, you're kidding me, right? Like they're going to admit you, you know this. And he was right. I walked in. I mean, I told him what happened. I told him how much fluid had come out and it was like a movie. I mean, it was a ton of fluid. I never even knew it could actually happen like that. And the nurses were like, yeah, you don't even need to get tested to see if you had amniotic fluid because you're in labor. So they immediately put me in a room and this was at nighttime. So it was like eight 
8 p.m. or something. And those nurses were great. They let me move around. They let me do whatever I wanted to do, whenever I wanted to do it. Not pushy at all. Um, by 11 o'clock, I still had like nothing happening. So the doctor on call shows up and immediately wanted me on Pitocin. She wanted me to get the epidural. She wanted to get this baby out. Like that's what her ultimate goal was. And I'm like, no, I don't want I don't want Pitocin. I've heard that's really, really painful and it puts babies in distress. So I did know that much. I also knew I didn't want an epidural because I didn't know if there could be lasting side effects of it in your spine. Um, so everything that I wanted, she just basically shot down and told me I was difficult, told me she'd be back. She left, had the nurses every 30 minutes check me. And if anybody knows anything about having your water broke, you're not supposed to put anything inside the body at all, you know, after the water breaks, you're just right. not supposed to check. You're not supposed to do that. It was very painful. And um, they kept coming every 30 minutes. Those poor nurses were like, we're so sorry, honey, but the doctor Doctor's wants to know, how many, you know, where you're dilated. So uh, I wasn't dilated. I was like three. And the doctor kept pressuring and pressuring and pressuring me. She finally came in again at around two o'clock in the morning and told me that, you know, I'm going to have a dead baby on my hands if I don't do this. Basically, I was killing my baby because I was being selfish. <laughs> Those words still to this day, they just they haunt me because I can't imagine anybody telling somebody that they're going to have a dead baby on their hands when there's no medical thing going wrong. Yeah. I had nothing medically wrong with me. My body just wasn't ready to have the baby come. It's like total fear um, motivation. Like it's like yes. in a nutshell. It was, it was horrible. I mean, it, I, I still, I cannot believe I've told this to people before about having a doctor tell you that you're going to have a dead baby on your hands. I mean, a doctor tell you you're difficult. Um, I wasn't difficult. I just was trying to ask a few questions. Yeah. Why do I need this? <laughs> so, yeah. So basically, I, I went ahead and I, I got bullied into the Pitocin. I refused the epidural. I refused medication. I didn't want my baby to come out groggy. You know, I wanted her to be just with me in the moment. Yeah. And um, the Pitocin kicks in quick. I don't know if... You know, I'm sure there's a million women out there that have had Pitocin uh, contractions. They are intense and they're not real. They hurt. They distress the baby. They are so painful. And I just remember at that moment, once you got the Pitocin and you had the IVs, you're now in the bed. You're stuck in the bed. You can't move. They don't let you get out of the bed because of all their protocols. So I now am on my back in excruciating pain with these intense, strong contractions. I, I was the worst pain I have ever felt in my entire life. And I could not get through it. I, I tried everything I could possibly do with my mind, with trying to be somewhere else. It just didn't work. Husband's like trying, like he even took Coke cans, were like rolling them on me. <laughs> like, like on the sides of me, I'd roll over and he'd like get my back. I'm like, this isn't helping. I'm just screaming. <laughs> oh, so this went on for quite some time. I feel, 
like I lasted way too long with the Pitocin um, because again, the Pitocin just still wasn't actually doing what they say it's supposed to do of making, you know, the contractions get the baby down. Sure. Um, so I finally, my husband said, I can't, I can't take this anymore. You're in so much pain. Please let them give you some type of medication so that you can just sleep for a little bit. So I took medication and that did not help. Um, I actually think that made things worse. And he said I was at least not screaming anymore. I was moaning. <laughs> but to me, it still was excruciating. It was horrible. So now I've had two things that, you know, I didn't want the Pitocin, the medication, and no baby yet. So the next morning comes and, you know, I think I lasted, I think it was like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. I finally said, I just can't do this anymore. The baby's not coming. I think I was at like a four or five centimeter dilated. There was just not much happening. And this doctor was getting frustrated. She was on call the whole weekend. And so she kept coming in, pressuring me, having the nurses pressure me, change of nurses. Things changed drastically with the change of nurses. Right. Oh yeah. I went from having these sweet 30 year old, you know, 30 year working women that have done it forever that have patience to, you know, a woman that was new to this, who just wanted to do her job and right. follow the protocol. Um, so I went ahead and I got an epidural and they made everyone leave the room. I know every woman knows, you know, you normally you're just by yourself with the nurse and the anesthesiologist, but my anesthesiologist started talking and telling me that, He'd been retired for the last six months. What? And they called him in. Yeah, they called him in on the weekend uh, for this epidural. So I'm like freaking out. I didn't want the epidural to begin with. I was nervous about putting something in my spine. And here's this anesthesiologist that has been off for six months because he retired. He was great. It all worked out. But I was scared to death. And I had no one there. I didn't have my husband. I didn't have anything. I think I'm having my son walk up here. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like I can hear it. I'll give a pause. Okay. All right. He might be quiet, so I'll keep going. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So I had the, the I had the epidural, and um, I was able to sleep and rest, and that was great. I mean, I, I that was that was great. I actually felt wonderful for the first time. Um, but then I had the doctor walk in. I just got comfortable. No, no, no. I just got comfortable and she came in saying, oh my gosh. Okay. I have to get him out. Okay. I'm so sorry. Don't apologize. Please don't apologize. Don't let it stress you. It's all good. Truly. Okay. So. Uh, after that, the, the doctor comes back in and she says, okay, so it's very rare that any moms can go pain-free. She's like, you now are definitely, you know, able to have this baby. What? <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just, it, it's astonishing to me how this doctor treated me. So she checked me again. I think this is like at least my... 40th time being oh, checked. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right, where are we at in the day right now? Or like the next so day? So now we're, we're, you know, we're close to like that 12, one o'clock. Okay. Which Nora was born at the, about a, a 1.41 PM. Okay. And um, she checked me and she said, 
oh, thankfully, you're at 10. Otherwise, you were going in for a C-section. Oh, my goodness. I know. And I just sat there shaking. I was shaking because I had other things that happened where like the nurse got my IV messed up and it blew and my husband noticed and they had to redo it during contractions and put it in my hand and my hand was swelling because I had my wedding ring on. I mean, I just had so many things that that hurt so bad and were just so terrible. Just added to the experience. (laughs) Of this doctor, you know, this, this doctor that's supposed to be someone that, you know, guide you through the process. But anyways, I was at the 10. I went ahead and I only pushed for like 20 minutes and this baby pops out and it was a breeze. Um, I had a walking epidural, which a lot of people don't know about. The guy actually who was retired (laughs) gave me one where you could still feel the contractions, but they didn't hurt. It was pretty awesome. Wow. Um, so I didn't tear. I didn't have any issues. It was really, really wonderful. But she, she came out and this doctor wanted to, I say, punish me for being difficult. So she had the NICU team waiting in the room. And uh, as they were waiting in the room, they basically were standing there. I birthed her. They wrapped her up. They put her on the table. They put her in an incubator and they were out the door. What? I never, ever set eyes. Yeah. I did not set eyes on my daughter. I didn't get to hold her. I missed out on that bonding that you get right after birth. It's still to this day, like I still, this is the trauma that I have. Um, More than the trauma of being, you know, told what to do, how to do it, when to do it by by a provider. I now have missed out on the moments that you waited for, for over nine months. So, um, so at that point, <laughs> my daughter is taken down to the NICU. She's seven pounds, 4.4 ounces, by the way. Um, healthy, nothing's wrong with her. And my husband goes because I told him to go because they were taking her. Uh, immediately, they kicked my mom and my dad, who both were in the delivery room, out. Everyone left. There was nobody in there except for the nurse and the doctor. I was completely alone. It went from bright lights to only the light that was shining down below the bottom half of me. Um, I then birthed the placenta. The doctor cleans that up, stands up, walks out of the room, doesn't say a word. The nurse says, "Um, someone's going to be in and clean you up in a minute. And then you need to pump because you're not going to be with your baby for for a while. And I said, well, what's a while? And And she said, well, it depends. You have to be able to walk. You have to be able to eat and you have to go to the bathroom. So at that point, I was alone. I didn't have my husband. I didn't have my baby. I didn't have anything. I was just alone all by myself pumping, which I didn't know how to do. No one ever tells you how to pump. The nurse said, oh, you just, you know, put it to your breast and turn the machine on and and that's it. Just just do it. But she's like, don't worry, because you're probably not going to nurse because the baby's in the NICU. So they'll give her sugar water and, um, you know, some formula and it, it'll all it'll all be OK. So don't worry. And those are all things on my birth plan that I didn't want. My <laughs> mind is just blown. That. Yeah, I can't. I know these things happen, but to hear people tell these stories is just it's it's truly almost yes. unbelievable. 
it is unbelievable. Um, so after that happened, I knew like I had to eat something. I had to, you know, I had to do this so that, you know, I could go ahead and get my baby. So my husband took some pictures of her while she was in the NICU and this little healthy seven pound baby is smiling with all these tubes and cords and all these things attached to her. And I said, well, at least she's smiling. But at this point I still hadn't held my child. So I get to the, I finally get to my room after, you know, everything's done with that. And I order food. I'm like, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> I wanted something that I thought they'd make really fast to get up sure. there and I could like scarf down really quick. Well, that took forever. And the bathroom didn't take long. I actually got to do that pretty quick because I had IV fluids given to yeah. me. Um, so I was like, okay, I did that. I did that. And then since I was fortunate enough to have the walking epidural, um, I was able to get up. And so they wouldn't let me walk or anything, but I was able to stand up and prove that I could. Okay. So I then five hours later after her birth, I was taken down to her and they had the incubator light on her in the NICU. They had it on a seven pound healthy baby that had absolutely nothing wrong with her at all. The only reason she was there was because that doctor said I was going to have corium, which is an infection that does happen. I've researched now after the water has been broken for more than 24 hours, what? which my daughter was born before 24 hours. My daughter was not born during any, you know, we, I didn't have my water break. It was like three o'clock PM on a yeah. Saturday and she was born at 1:41 PM. So the risk wasn't even there, but this doctor said it was. So they took my placenta, they tested it. It came back negative for corium, but they still refused to take her out of the NICU. They refused to take her off the machine. They refused. We fought and we fought and we fought and we fought. They wanted to keep her seven days what? to observe. And my husband said, no, we're leaving, you know, we're leaving. So that was a big fight from then on to get the, her out of there. In the meanwhile, I'm trying to nurse my child who's been away from me for five hours. And every five seconds, there's somebody coming in bothering me, whether it was the person asking for her middle name or somebody was coming in to check her vitals or check my vitals or the, the upstairs nurses were coming down mad that I wasn't upstairs in my room. <sighs> And they'd make me go back up to my room to get my vitals to then go back down to hold my child. And then every time I'd enter the room that I slept in, it said no baby on the outside of the door. What? That was for the nurses so that they knew there was no child inside the room when they would come check you. And, you know, I, I can still see that. I can still see that sign. Like, I don't know why they couldn't have had like a purple sign, like something was just purple on the outside so that nurses knew there's no baby in there. It's purple. Yeah. Um, but they did it. So that is basically the story because other than that, it was my husband and I fighting to get her out of the NICU, which we did accomplish getting her out on day two. Um, but again, she was a perfectly healthy, no issue baby that had to go to the NICU all because of a physician, a provider. And that is where my birth trauma came <laughs> It's where it is just, I mean, it's just amazing to me. 
And I, that's why I speak so much about, about it, you know, yeah. cause like people think birth trauma, it's not just about what happened to the labor and the birth. It it's also about how the mother is left feeling afterwards. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And, you know, no one ever checks on the mother and they do matter emotionally, physically, all of that. So that's kind of my story. <laughs> I am so sorry. Like I just, I can't, I really truly can't imagine. I know I, 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 feel, I think that would be anybody's truly, I think that would be anybody's just worst nightmare. It blows my mind when I hear, when I hear these stories and the doctors are women. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's bad either way, but when you, when it's a woman, it's like, you just, it, and of course you go to, you you know, your head, at least mine kind of goes to like, okay, she can't be a mom, right? Because if she was a mother, she would know better and she would have at least some kind of connection. And I suppose even like second thoughts of the words that are coming out of her mouth. But, um, even so I just, she, man, she just like, she had, she either had a really, really, really bad day prior, (laughs) Megan, she had the worst day prior or she just like, I don't know, skipped a couple of these like innate genes that we have in us to be compassionate and, and have this innate nature. I mean, truly. Wow. Yeah. it, It was horrible. And I mean, and I understand, you know, there are women who have a bad experience in the hospital or with a provider. Um, but I just felt like, I felt like if you, the provider was the most important in that hospital setting, sure. It was almost like the provider trumped all rules. Yeah. So whether or not the hospital did right or wrong, it was that provider that was making all of the the decisions of my life, my body, my child, and I was no longer in charge. I had lost everything, you know, and like a butterfly, we as mothers are reborn. You're reborn. Like you get reborn every time you have a child. I have now had three and every child I have had since I have become a mother again. It's not like I was a mother and I had another child. You actually rebirth and you have another, you're a mother again. And I just can't imagine thinking that this type of situation is normal and okay. And to do it again, which is where I lead into the reason why I never went back to a hospital and I never will. And it's my biggest fear of going back to a hospital. Um, you know, I spoke with a therapist weekly, weekly trying to get over my PTSD from this experience and it took all the way until miles. So Nora's five and a half. And I went to a therapist up until miles birth, basically it was all the way until the end of his birth because she wanted to see me afterwards. And every time we just talked about Nora, it was all Nora <laughs> the entire time. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just keep thinking back to kind of like how you started this whole thing, how you started telling the story about how like you really do dream about those moments when you get to meet your baby and what that's going to look like and how you think you're going to feel right. Especially the very first baby you, I think you, you know, if, you clearly had some, you had a lot more knowledge than I think a, a lot of women I think do going into their first birth. If they're, if, if they haven't designated to go like, a, you know, an alternative route of like home birth or something, mm-hmm. right. Like, 
but either way, I think that you, you dream about those moments of meeting your baby and what it's going to look and feel like. And, but you really don't have any way of understanding or tapping into truly like the oxytocin, like, like truly what the hormones truly give you, what that gift is like. And to then to not have the experience is robbing you of something that you will truly never get back. And never. So when you, you went down there to, you know, to love on her, once you finally had the opportunity to, even though it was interrupted, can you talk about what those moments were like when you actually finally got to hold her? Well, I was scared to hold her because of the cords. Um, I can't imagine NICU mothers. I just, I cannot. Yeah. I, I don't think I was a NICU mother. I, I don't put myself in that category. I was not that. Right. I was a just mixed up mother <laughs> is what I was. Um, but the fact that I was told how to hold her, um, what the beeping was, and, you know, she didn't even have nearly as many cords, I'm sure, as most NICU babies. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't even find a way to hold her. You know, her her little hand was swollen because they had put an IV in her for antibiotics that she didn't need that were unnecessary. You know, my breast milk would have been enough, but that's not what they wanted to do. They had to follow their protocol. I never got that skin to skin with her at all. I never did a rebirth, which I should have done when we got home. Holding her was just, I, I mean, I broke down. I mean, just in tears because I couldn't believe that this amazing, beautiful little human that I'd been waiting to meet, that that was the first time we met. So, um, you know, for her... <laughs> I'm sure, you know, we talk about it a lot now that she's five and a half and, you know, she'll say things like, it's okay, mommy, that, you know, I was born in the hospital and the boys were born at home and I go, oh, it's, it's okay, honey. I said, but mommy just, mommy missed out on being with you, you know, cause she's been at both the home birth, excuse me, both the home births. So she knows what happens before what happens during all the prenatal visits, what happens when the baby gets here. And, you know, she was two when Joe was born and she's, I still think she remembers um, just that magicalness of it. And, you know, I think it hurts me obviously way more than it does her, but I always feel bad for her that she isn't going to even be able to share that experience. But the holding of her and being with her in the NICU, I mean, my husband didn't get it for quite some time. Um, I feel like he actually, he was a great supporter, loved this man to death, but he did not understand why I made such a fuss about my experience in the hospital. Cause he'd say things to me like, look how perfect she is. Like, yeah, you have this wonderful baby. Like, yeah, it didn't go how you wanted, but you have this child. And I've heard that over and over and over and over again. Yes, I have this amazing child, but that's just not how I pictured her yeah. coming into this world. You know, I, I envision leaving this world the same as coming into this world, peacefully surrounded by love. Yeah. And I don't feel like she got that. You know, yeah. she missed out on her mother for five hours. Yeah. That's a long time when you're, you know, you're used to hearing the heartbeat of your mom, and the warmth, and now you have lights and people and smells that you've never smelt before. 
it's awful. Yeah. And if you research, and I, I geek out on this kind of stuff, but like if you research like the chemistry of those first few hours, especially the moments of, you know, after or during birth, when, when the mother and the baby are connected and the skin to skin and, you know, the opportunities for the baby to kind of like, you know, to, to essentially find the latch, right. To, to do the baby crawl and, yes. and go to your breast, like all of these things that were truly cre- like we were create, like it was all perfectly created to happen. And, you know, understandingly, right. Like there are circumstances where this just doesn't happen outside of just the doctor's protocols. Right. Exactly. But, but if you research the chemistry on that, it is, I mean, you can't help, but, uh, but feel how important and how crucial and how just like, magical and almost out of this world, this experience can be, but just the, like, when I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a God, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. So when I just think about how God created all those things to happen, I mean, it really does blow your mind. And so, you know, it, it, those, those moments are totally, they're so important. And, and, you know, and obviously she's fine. Like, you know, she's saying she's fine. She's understanding. And, and she's I think fine. that until she's older, right. She's not going to completely and totally understand like, you know, everything that goes into that, right? Like they don't have the capacity and the emotional understanding to really feel that, you know, when she gets towards motherhood, you know, she'll probably start dipping into some of that. And I imagine you'll have further conversations, but it does just, I mean, I can't, I know for me and, and with my experience with Miles and, you know, I felt the same way, Megan, in some, in some ways. I mean, I, I, the hospital is really great for us, but I really felt like that no one really understood why I was so upset when, I didn't, when we found out we were going to have to have a C-section, because I knew that it was going to be drastically different than what I had dreamed. And I wasn't going to get the opportunity because of drugs and all these other things to have that, this perfect chemistry and this perfect moment that was truly created for us. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get that. And it's a real thing. Like this oxytocin that they talk about after birth. I mean, I've now had two home births with my boys. And they were both drastically different. I'm not going to get into those. Maybe that'll be another time where we can talk about the difference between my home water birth and my home third wild card child, who's still the wild card, um, (laughs) and how long and hard and how his birth was actually the most painful longest birth. I just said that his birth is actually more painful and longer than Nora's. And that was without Pitocin. So um, just crazy. But, you know, I I was one of the fortunate, lucky people, too, that I had my very medical, medical model hospital birth, who then got the absolute picture, perfect, beautiful, amazing rebirth, water birth, home setting. I mean, it was the most magical thing I've ever had in my life, but I still have birth trauma. Even though I got what I needed the first time, it's still there. It didn't yeah. go away. Yeah. Like, I didn't just magically make it go away because I did it how I wanted to the next time, but it, it is something. And I know we wanted to talk kind of about how I went into the home birth. Yeah. I, mean, I actually... The, the first thing after I had Nora and I found out I was pregnant, miscarried, then I found out I was pregnant with my second Joe again. And so at that point I had decided to switch offices. So I was still up till 20 weeks pregnant with, with Joe. 
I actually switched to a different OBGYN and I was seeing her. She was great. She helped me through a miscarriage where I had to have two DNCs. She was just fantastic. I trusted her. I really, really, really liked her. But I thought, oh no, we can't do this again. <laughs> we can't go down this road where I have a connection with one provider yeah. who may or may not be at my birth. And so I started seeing other physicians during that first 20 weeks. And unfortunately, I didn't like any of them except for her. And so I started to really think about this and I'm like, this is going to happen all over again. I was so fearful for birth at 20 weeks pregnant. I mean, I was so scared that I was going to lose complete control over the second baby and everything was going to go downhill again. My goal was to breastfeed him because I did not get to breastfeed Nora. I actually pumped for a year exclusively. And, um, I decided, okay, I'm going to research some other options. So I looked into some birth centers and my husband like totally shot me down immediately said, no, no, no. Like we're not doing this. We're not going to be these weird, you know, birth center, home birth people. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then he's like, and I'm a paramedic and I've taken so many babies to the hospital that have been born at home. And, you know, we're just not doing this. Yeah. That medical so, perspective is so interesting, especially dynamic yeah. of a mother and um, you know, a husband and wife. Like, And he now is going to be a nurse next month. So he, you know, for him now, you know, he's the one out there telling people, no, no, no. You know, it's really, really safe to have a home oh, birth. It makes me so happy. Um, it does. So it took some time. I was 20 weeks. So, I mean, I was halfway there. You, you, you got to start prepping this stuff to get your mindset to yeah. have, you know, this home birth. So I, I basically, he, he knew from Nora's birth, how drastically this affected me. I mean, I quit my job. I stayed home. I wouldn't let anybody babysit her, touch her, hold her. I didn't want anybody to take any time away from what I had with her. So I think he realized at that moment that, okay, Megan needs this. I'm going to support her. So awesome. I found a, uh, I found a, a newer, she's, she was actually younger than me too, a newer midwife and she was a nurse. So she had everything that Adam was happy about. She had all this extra knowledge and extra stuff and everything seemed to be okay. Um, but I actually did so much research with Joe's birth. I mean, I read every book you could possibly read. I watched every single YouTube video that you could ever see on any home birth, bad, good, everything. I mean, I just made sure I knew anything and everything I could possibly know. And his birth was actually the best because she missed the birth. My midwife missed what? the birth. Um, yeah, he was so fast. It was a four-hour birth. He just came he just came into this world. He came in cow. So he was inside the ambiotic fluid inside the water of the birth tub. Oh it was just beautiful. It's very rare to have yes. a cow like that. Yeah. So she missed the birth. And so my husband, paramedic here, he's like, you know, should I put the glove on? Should I not put the glove on to come check to see <laughs> if there's a baby coming? Right. And um, I'm like, I don't think you need a glove. Like you don't need a glove. I was talking through this bird. I mean, it was like, it was just so amazing. amazing. And so he, the, the midwife shows up nine minutes after 
he's born. And she didn't believe it. She's like, there's no way that he's here already. Like, here he is. (laughs) Here's the baby. Um, So, you know, that I think that I think having been so untouched, you know, I was I was not messed with. I did whatever I wanted to. I took a bath. I ate food. I had someone rubbing my back, putting heat on my back. I mean, it was was like anything that I wanted to do, wherever I wanted to sit, however I wanted to do it. I didn't have somebody telling me I couldn't do that. No one was checking my vitals. No one was checking the heart, you know, of the baby. Yeah. It just was all, the body was just doing what it needed to do that time, which was fantastic. It doesn't happen to everyone. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that gave you like this, that confidence, not only in like your body, but just like you as a mother and you know what I mean? Like just cut you, you, like yeah. it sounds like it was truly the exact birth that you needed after, after Nora. I did. And I got to catch him myself because again, it was just Adam and I. So he just basically, I was on my hands and knees leaning over the tub and he just kind of floated through and I lifted him up after a few minutes under the water, I lifted him up and the bond and that emotion was oh. just unbelievable. To the point where I could have, I could birth him every day of my life. (laughs) I could just keep doing it over and over again. But if you ask me about Miles, my third, I cannot do that again. (laughs) Yeah, we need to talk about that another time. That's so wild. Yes, but I cannot do that one again. So I'm praying that this fourth baby decides to be a little bit more like the second and comes out a little easier. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. To be continued on that. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll be thinking and praying for you about that. I hope that you get somewhere in between that. Yeah. <laughs> it just, might be good for you to little. have a slightly different experience. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's the wonderful thing about birth though. Yeah. You know, I, I do think that overcoming my birth trauma a little bit has helped by knowing that even if you planned the perfect birth, like I did for Joe, I did the same thing I did for Joe for Miles. But each child is so different and each personality is so different that it's not really about what you do. It's almost like who they are. Sure. I'm just still astonished because, you know, Nora is a very, she likes to get things done. She likes to get here, do things. She's very, very, very intelligent. And she just, it's almost like she was ready to come. So she just decided at 38 weeks, I'm com- I'm coming, welcome world. <laughs> and then, you know, you have Joe, who's just a very, he's very chill, peaceful, quiet, loving. Oh, the love that that little boy has is Aww. just unbelievable. And then Miles is stubborn and ornery as you can ever imagine. I mean, he, and he's the one that was the hardest. <laughs> yeah. So that's, um, I think that's there's amazing. a little bit to do with that. Oh yeah. I totally believe that. I'm so glad that you brought that up and that you talked through each of them because I think that that's such a cool perspective and I think it is so true and honest. I mean, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, it's hard things. to know those things unless, you know, you, you've heard someone tell that, or if you yourself can see the connection between your children, but yeah, I just think it's amazing on just the difference and, and Nora knows all. So we always, we always joke around with her because you know, I could say something and then she has to come back with what really is the meaning of whatever I was talking about. <laughs> and again, it's like, you know, if you would have seen her sitting, laying in that little NICU, NICU thing all wrapped up. I mean, I should probably attach a picture 
for, yes, you for this. Because please do. It, it is pretty remarkable. The the smile and the happiness that's on this little girl's you know face. And all I can think of is I look at that and I see sadness. And I need to look through that and pass that to the fact that she went through this traumatic experience, but yet she's still smiling. Yeah. She knew you. She knew her dad. She clearly knew the difference. She was telling you she was okay yes. in her way. I think that's really incredible. Yeah. It's a pretty cool picture that he snapped. I'm very happy that he got it because, of course, you know, like my photos of her birth and my photos of Joe's birth and my photos of Miles, you know, it's just so different to see just my my body language in all the photos because yeah. I look very, very miserable and angry and broken in Nora's. Yeah. I just, I look like I'm beat up and beat down. And, you know, I, I sometimes have to like overlook those when I look at them. Yeah. Um, especially for, for Miles birth, we were, she helped me. She was three. Yeah, she was three. So she, she was helping me prep the room, which is one of my favorite things to do a birth room. And she started pulling out pictures of Joe's birth. And then she said, can I pull out some of mine to put on the wall for, for you? And I kept thinking, I don't want those up there. You know, at first, it's, I just, I didn't want to see those. But the ones she chose were pretty remarkable because oh. she chose all the ones that were her hooked up to the incubator stuff. You know, she didn't choose the ones that was you know, me holding her or her dad holding her. She chose the ones where she was smiling or she was there. So it's kind of, kind of a special thing. So every time now I'm going to let her do that. Pick out her pictures. This little girl's I'm like, just, I'm so, I, I wish we could just fast forward like 15 years and like have a conversation with her because what I know she's pretty awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So I know you, I know you, I know you went through therapy, but was there anything else that you, that you did along the way to kind of get through this trauma and through your grief? And I mean, was there anything special that you felt like was impactful? Though I can tell you something that was bad. And then I can tell you some good. The bad was that I, I never wanted anybody to have Nora. Yeah. So I regret a little bit because I will admit, I mean, I family and friends, I felt like I almost isolated myself from them a little because I didn't want to share her. And that was the wrong way to go about it. But I kept feeling so much of like, this is my baby. I messed up. I didn't get to have this. You can't have her. I didn't want anyone to touch her. I didn't want anyone to kiss her. I was very, very, very like, I did everything possibly by myself. So I put in 200% motherhood into her life. Okay. Um, which my mom looks back at and she'll say things and it hurts me, but she's not meaning to be yeah. mean. She'll just say things like, well, when Nora was, you know, Joe's age, you used to do this or you did this for her. You made her that you did that. And I have to like remind myself that I was giving 200% of me and I had nothing left. Yeah. I now have multiple children that I have to look out for. Sure. And I can't give 200%. I have to give less. And that was probably the worst that I did because I was trying to compensate for what I lost out on thinking that I was helping her by doing so much for this girl. (laughs) I mean, she's had like the picture perfect life. And, um, because I gave all mine, I have given so much that I don't have much left, you know? Um, but things I did do was I joined a lot of Facebook groups. Um, a lot of, most of them were just home birth and 
the reason I did a bunch of the home birth is because if you get into any of those groups, you'll see most of them have a birth trauma from a hospital. Yes. Yes. Most of these women are second time home birth people where they had their first in the hospital and then their first time, you know, second kid, first time doing it at home. And it's just to hear other people's stories, I think helped me get over a little bit of mine because some people had it way worse than me. Sure. I had to leave a lot of my normal mommy groups because they'll post things like my story and talk about it. And then they'll say things like, well, I wouldn't have a baby and I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my doctor. And then I keep thinking, no, that's, that's not always the case. You know, every, and then I would get into arguments with people. And then I felt like I was pulling myself into the wrong direction. Sure. So I had to leave those um, and just kind of move on. Um, the trauma is still there. Don't think it's ever going to leave. I hope it does. Maybe when I'm done with having babies, maybe I can, you know, get over the fact of that, but it's like every time you're pregnant again and every time you have another baby, it's kind of it hits you again. Cause yeah. I even have the fear now of, you know, this is my third, it'll be my third home birth, but my biggest fear is that I'm going to have to go into the hospital. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that you haven't done any more additional research about maybe what your options would be if you were in the hospital and ran into any kind of a similar situation. I mean, was there any protocols or any rights that you have found or researched now as a patient that you have in these instances to either say, look, I need a different doctor or, you know, like, mm -hmm. I mean, do you know, I mean, have you done anything around that? I have, I actually looked into it. I could have requested another doctor on site okay. from a different practice. They have to give you a, a provider. Um, yeah. Once you hit the hospital, you don't have to go with the provider you had been seeing the whole time. I found that out too. So even though that practice was the practice that had seen me, I could have switched over to someone else. Okay. Um, I could have spoken up for myself more, sure. um, but I was in so much pain and my husband didn't know what to do. So I feel like the husbands need to know because third time around, my husband now is the biggest advocate. He, he knows okay, you know what? She's in really a lot of pain and the water's not doing it. So we sure. need to figure something else out. So, you know, the midwife and him last, last big, last baby worked something up, tried something else. You know, we did different things. He didn't know to do that the first time around. Sure. Of course. And he also didn't know that, you know, we had that right. It's almost like you don't realize when you go into the hospital that you, it's your body. It's your baby. Yeah. They may say things to scare you because of legal issues, but ultimately it's your right to leave the hospital. You could leave. I could have left and I wish I would have. Yeah. I wish I would have left um, after they admitted me. I wish I would have gone home and I wish I would have waited for the real contractions to start because I could have requested an ultrasound. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I could have said, let me have an ultrasound. Let me, you know, check my vitals, check the baby's heart rate, check an ultrasound. If everything's fine, I'm signing myself out. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. But you can. And, you know, they give you a hard time about it. And I actually have a friend that she did that. She had almost the exact same thing happen to her where her water had broken. Um, but she went home and signed herself out after an ultrasound. And then she did not have that baby for another week. What? So the water wasn't officially broken. Okay. 
it just had like a tear. Wow. And they found that on the ultrasound. So I'm not saying mine did. I have no idea because I didn't go that route. I could have been, I could have gone home that night and then had to go back that night. You sure. Know? sure. Um, but I wish that people knew that you can say no to anything. You can say no to cervical checks. You don't have to have those. It's not a crystal ball. It's not going to tell you when baby's coming at all. You know, I mean, I didn't know what I was the last two babies. You just knew when to push. You knew when the baby was coming. You don't need to check that. And you also, you can refuse everything. Like if you don't want IVs, you can just get the little thing into your arm or your hand, you know, so that they know like, okay, if we have to do something in the hospital drastically, all we have to do is put the IV right there and ready. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? I think that, I think that this last piece of this conversation is probably one of the most important things we could have talked about because, you know, regardless of everything, I want every woman to have all the knowledge about everything. I want them to know all the potential things that can happen at the hospital, all their typical protocols. I want them to know what, what, what a home birth, what it, which it, what a natural home birth experience can look like you know, what, what midwives bring to the table, what the, what the risk factors are on both ends. I want them Mm -hmm. to understand how our body works. I want them to understand how the chemistry works. I want them to understand how your intuition as a mother works. And from then, then they can make a decision on what they want to do. And I keep thinking back to like, all these women that you're reading about. and, And I felt I experienced the same thing when I was going back for birth stories. I was listening to women who had home births. It was like, you're right. They had a previous traumatic experience in the hospital. I hate that it's like that. I hate that we can't just come to the table of, or like come, you know what I mean? Come to our own understanding and decision on how we want to have our, our birth from the very beginning, from the first birth, based on all this information. And so I just truly believe that knowledge is power and you have to remember that you, like you said, you are, it is your body. It is your baby. And you guys your intuition, like nobody knows your body and your baby like you. There are exceptions to some of this in medical. There's, there are those things, right? Like, thank goodness there are modern medicine in certain times, but nobody knows your body and your baby like you. Well, and I'm not, I'm not for home birth or for hospital. I actually am probably one of the most middle people. Sure. I just know that hospital is not for me at all. Um, they scare me. I'm not comfortable there. I don't want to be there for any reason. (laughs) Um, So for me, you know, it's almost one of those obvious things that I'll never do. But women do need to know, like your doctor has probably never even seen a real natural birth. They don't know that. They're not trained for that. So if that's something that you're looking for, you need to research that because you're more likely to get that at a birth center or at home. Um, there are many women that I have spoken to in a lot of my groups though, that have been able to get to the hospital and have that wonderful natural hospital birth. Yes. So it does happen. Yeah. It's rare. It's rare. And I just know that I wish that I wish that I would have spent a little bit more time researching Nora's birth and less time not having coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't drink coffee at all. Once I found out I was pregnant with her, which I don't do now, believe me, these babies have all yeah. had coffee. Yeah. And so I would like, why didn't I do more research? 
I, I don't know. I just thought well, that I really believed that my body was going to be like my mom's body and my sister's body who had, that was nine babies. So you would think nine babies and yeah. all, they had all natural and the hospital, nothing. And their experiences were great. And you so, know, and that's what I mean. You know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know, you know, like you, yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm with you, Megan, like I am very middle of the road too. I mean, I, you know, we ended up having to have a C-section with miles. It was one of the, it was probably as best as I could have. I mean, I did not expect it to go how it went. And it was, it really truly was a beautiful experience. And for me to say that today, I think is huge because I really felt like I was, I was not going to get this beautiful entrance into the world that miles had. Um, I just didn't think it was really possible. And even though I had lots of women had told me, and I will also say that Miles's birth was in Kodiak and Kodiak's incredible. I mean, that, um, the nurses there, the doctors there, I mean, I will, I will say that they're probably more on, on the side of, you know, just kind of like the natural holistic nature of, of, you know, their understanding of, of the woman's body and what, what a natural birth can look like. They, like, they are very much equipped with that. So I know women, my, my good friends that have had births there and it's been beautiful and incredible. So they, so there is that, but it just really comes down to you knowing what your options are and understanding all of the, all of the different happenings and elements from the time that you enter the hospital to the moments and the hours after birth on truly things that you can even refuse for your baby, you know, like all of everything, like just equip yourself so that you know what's going on because when things go wrong, you're not going to have, you're not going to have any background to know whether that's something you truly would want or something you're going to regret down the road because you didn't know about it. And I think that's one of the worst places to sit is like just wishing we had had more information or more knowledge and no one's just going to give it to you. Like you have to, and that's part of like, that's part of my mission of this podcast is like, I just want everyone to know all the things, right. So that we could just be so much more prepared. But I mean, you do, you're going to have to put in the, and in the time and the energy to know all the things. And, you know, I have had friends, those women out there that are like, I don't even, I don't want to know anything. I just want to go into it with no plan and just go with the flow. You know, if that's truly and truly how you feel like more power to you. But my question to you is what if something, what, what if things go drastically wrong? What if you have birth trauma? Like how will you feel after that? Like how will you, you, know you mean? lose so, complete control? Right. You know, I, I lost complete control. I had no control. I had no say. I mean, I was told when I could hold my baby. I lost everything during that. Yeah. And, you know, with my last two home births, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get tested for GBS. I didn't get tested for my glucose this last time. She gave it all up to me. She said, you know, this is your fourth pregnancy. You've not developed it. You don't have any signs or symptoms that you would have gestational diabetes. Do you want the test? And I said, you know, no, I don't want to get pricked today. So that's the the thing that I love the most is it's up to me. If I don't feel like getting my blood drawn, I don't have to. You know, there's a certain amount that she obviously has to have. Like I had to do my my first first trimester prenatal workup. And, you know, you have to do those things. But I don't believe I'm going to do GBS again this time because I didn't have it the first two times. So yeah. the odds of having it the next two are pretty slim. And if something arises and changes, that's the fantastic thing about it. You know, with your doctor, you're in there for 20 minutes to see them after you wait an hour. And with a midwife, you're in there for an hour one-on-one with them. And then they yeah. come to your home. 
yeah. and you don't have to leave. It's so wonderful, <laughs> especially these, these, um, I'm due at the end of January and it's cold and you have other kids and you're like, Oh, I don't want to go outside. I live in Chicago. I don't want to go. She comes to your house and it's like, it's almost like Mary Poppins sometimes. Cause you're just like, oh, and she comes and she's got this big bag and she, you know, pulls out all her stuff and you just lay there. And it's just wonderful. So <laughs> Cause I mean, even after Joe's birth, you know, Joe's birth, um, my midwife was feeding me fruit in bed. And then Nora was feeding me fruit in bed. I felt like a queen. It was really, really amazing. Does anybody have a and picture of that? Nora, you know, I wasn't like... eating. I didn't even eat. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it so much. I love it so, so much. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, maybe we can't say any more on this. You just need to know, you just need to know what your options are and that you have an option. I think that really, and, and that's for every yes. little thing, you know, and, and do what's right for you. You know what I mean? Don't do, don't, because one of your really close friends has had a home birth and everything was a m- magical for them. If for some reason that's not don't like jiving, <laughs> yeah, it's totally up to you, but I just really don't think that you can have a true opinion on how you, how you, what your desires are around this or what your your opinions are and beliefs. Um, if you don't really have the knowledge to support any of it, you know, you just have to have that background. So I think that's really important. Um, well, I have a friend who she's due next month with her fourth, our kids are the exact same ages. And she told me we were at the park and she will laugh if she hears this. She told me, she goes, Oh my God, Megan, I'm going to shave my legs. I'm so excited. She goes, I cannot wait to go to the hospital in about three weeks. And I'm like, what? She's like, I get a break. She's like, I get this break for two days yeah, without yeah. my kids, without my husband. Cause he's not allowed there right now during COVID. <laughs> She's like, this is amazing. She's like, I'm going to sit there. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to nap. And for her, that's what she is yeah. like excited about yeah. to me. I don't like that. Like, that's not me. What I want to do is I want to sit in my bed after having this baby and I want all my other babies all wrapped up oh, in the bed yeah. with me, Yeah, you know, eating the birthday cake that we cook. We bake a bit, we bake a cake every time. So it's like, that's oh. what I want. I want to eat that birthday cake with my babies all in my bed at home. <laughs> so it's just really great. Cause I mean, you know, she's had wonderful hospital experiences. Sure. So that's where it's like, but she also, you know, she spoke up for things before. So, I mean, it, yeah. it, you really do have to learn what, what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Let this, let the experience be your own beautiful experience. And however you feel like that should look like just to equip yourself with the knowledge. Um, Megan, I'm going to ask you one last question and we probably should round it up. Okay. What do you want the woman who is facing birth trauma right now and trying to figure out how she is going to continue through motherhood? Like, what do you, like, what do you want to say to her? What do you think she should know? I really want her to know that she's not alone, which we've all, you know, talked about this whole time, all of this, but also don't isolate yourself to where you are alone because I did that. I did that for almost two years of basically greedy. I was greedy. I can't believe how greedy I was that I didn't want anybody to enjoy my daughter, you know, and that was the way I coped with it. And everyone's way of coping is different, of course, but, you know, you just have to be cautious on, on what next steps you're going to take to get through it because you're going to get through it. You're going to continue as a mother. You are a mother and it's amazing to be a mother. You know, you've got, you just, you surpass that birth part. And then you have to focus on the fact that even though the birth is over, you now have this child that you have to 
make sure that you are there for. And if you are still dwindling on the birth trauma and you can't get over it, I mean, it's going to affect the child eventually if you don't kick out of it. So I do think I got out of it enough that, you know, I've moved on enough, but I still, still hurts to think about. In your defense, (laughs) because I wanted to like defend you a little bit because I, that was you also protecting yourself and your baby, right? Like you were feeling, you were total mama bear too. Yes. But I, I, my husband has never, and this is, no one's going to believe this. And if he hears this, he's going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe she said it. But my husband has never spent the night without me, with our children. Wait, my, my, oh, you mean like you guys have never had a night away? Well, we've had a night away together, but he has never spent a night like with the kids alone without me. Oh, ever in five and a half years. Yeah, because yeah. I don't leave. I don't leave. <laughs> I'm just here. I I don't want anybody else. And, and so it's all my babies. It's not just you know Nora. Yeah. yeah. I just I don't I don't like leaving them. I've only left like a handful of times in the last five and a half years. So, so um. So but anyway. <laughs> well, that just goes back <laughs> to like we each have our own motherhood and our own beautiful like own beautiful way of like we feel like that experience should yeah. look like like. <laughs> oh yes. Mine uh, is drive yourself nuts. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful chaos is how I like to call it. That is exactly what I'm living. <laughs> I have one screaming and I don't know what the other two I can are hear. doing. So this yeah. will be fun. I can hear you. I want to release you because I'm sure, I'm sure you're needed. Um, I, this was such a beautiful conversation and I feel like the overall message was just, I don't know, we, we hit home. I hope you're listening to this episode. I hope you feel almost a new sense of empowerment and almost maybe a drive and a somewhat of a new motivation to just really start looking at your birth and your motherhood kind of like you have more control and more power because you do. And Megan, I I do want to have you back on one day because I want to talk more about the home births and maybe share those births experiences and how they differed because... I think it's yeah. good for us. Maybe to... we should wait till this one's done and then we have three. Oh, yes. Juicy. I like it. <laughs> okay. Sounds Here. good. All right. They will go back to those babes. I'm going to go pick Miles up from the neighbor and um, we'll be talking soon. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Babe. Hey, mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF, or simply reminded you of another mama, Please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.